This is the Scottish Football Citizen, bringing you the best of Scottish football from the past. I'm Andy Kerr, and this week we have a slightly German slant on things as we take a look back at a famous night at Muirton Park where St Johnston recorded arguably their greatest ever European result. And we also take a look back at the Scottish connections of Gerd Muller, arguably the greatest ever penalty box striker who sadly passed away recently after having Alzheimer's. Before we get started, here's your weekly dose of trivia. Which Scottish team was the first to compete in the European Cup? We'll give you the answer at the end of the podcast. This season, Scotland has had five teams competing for places in European competitions, with Rangers, Celtic, St Johnston, Hibernian and Aberdeen taking part in qualifiers for the three UEFA competitions. Back in the day, the three main UEFA competitions were the European Cup, the Cup Winners' Cup and the UEFA Cup, with the winners of the European Cup and the Cup Winners' Cup playing each other for the Super Cup which was famously won by Aberdeen after their success in Gothenburg in May 1983. In the late 90s, the Cup Winners' Cup was abolished and the UEFA Cup expanded, and in 2009, the UEFA Cup changed its name to the Europa League. But in the summer just past, UEFA created a new third competition, the Europa Conference League. By winning the Scottish Cup against Hibernian in May 2001, St Johnston entered the third round of qualifying for the Europa League, where they faced off against the Turkish giants Galatasaray, and gave it a good go, but were unfortunately beaten. This means that instead of dropping out of Europe altogether, they find themselves in the final round of qualifiers for the Europa Conference League against the Austrian side Lask from Linz. While the Saints managed to draw 1-1 in Istanbul against Galatasaray, a very creditable result indeed, we have to go back to the end of September 1971 for arguably their greatest ever European night. In September 1971, there was intrigue in London as a former Soviet spy who had defected to Britain failed to turn up for his trial and drink-driving charges. But the talk of the town in the fair city of Perth was of hamburger. No, not a McDonald's or even a wimpy bar, but instead Hamburger SV, the Bundesliga giants who were due to visit Muirton Park. Willie Ormond's Saints side had qualified for the UEFA Cup by finishing third in the league the season prior to this, behind Celtic and Aberdeen and ahead of Rangers in fourth place. The Saints' reward was a glamour clash against Hamburg, who had finished 5th in the Bundesliga, and it looked like a daunting task on paper with the Germans having already beaten them 2-1 in the famous Volkspark Stadion. In the first leg, St Johnston had travelled to Hamburg for their first ever European match, and despite Hamburg's most well-known threat up front being Uwe Saylor, known best in Britain for his exploits with the German national team, it was to be Klaus Sacic who was to put two goals past Jim Donaldson that night. Zacic opened the scoring in the 11th minute, but after half-time, Jim Pearson was able to score an equaliser in the 53rd minute to make it 1-1. With just over 10 minutes to go before the end of the game, 
Zajic got his second goal and suddenly the Perth men would be up against it going into the return leg at Muirton Park. A worry for Willie Ormond's side in the second leg was the potential return of two of the German side's big players in Willy Schultz and Georg Volkert, who had been missing due to a throat virus. But Ormond told the Glasgow Herald, Our natural game is chasing goals home and away. I know we are short of European experience, but we will let the Germans worry about us and leave it at that. Truth is word, Ormond knew his side had to go for it at home or else it would be a very short excursion into Europe for the Saints. The team that Ormond chose to go with that day was Jim Donaldson, Alec Gordon, Alec Rennie, John Lambie, Willie Coburn, Ian McPhee, Henry Hall, Fred Aitken, John Connolly, Kenny Aird and Gordon Whitelaw. Jim Pearson was the Saints man on the bench that evening. Henry Hall spoke to the Scotsman in 2020 and when asked about how Willie Ormond prepared the players for a big game, he said, We had a chance in the return. Willie Ormond as usual didn't say much before kick-off but taking on guys who'd played in World Cups for West Germany at a packed Muirton didn't need any build-up. St Johnston started the game well, and the Germans soon realised that the Scottish team many of them had probably never heard of before wouldn't be easy pushovers. Indeed, it wasn't long before the home side really found themselves putting pressure on the Germans, and when Ian McPhee managed to feed the ball to Henry Hall in the 15th minute, Hall was able to find the net and put Saints up 1-0 on the night and level an aggregate at 2-2. The Glasgow Herald's journalist wrote the following day that St Johnston was so much on top that it was no surprise when they took the lead. With Hamburg rattled after the opening goal, the Perth side looked to put their dominance to good use and get more goals. Although more chances would come their way in the rest of the first half, at half-time, it was 1-0 to St Johnston on the night and 2-2 on aggregate. Henry Hall was struggling due to an ankle injury but was able to struggle on for the first 10 minutes of the second half before Willie Ormond replaced him with Jim Pearson. This substitution would prove to be a masterstroke by the Saints boss as Pearson was soon in the very thick of the action. In the 62nd minute, Ian McPhee was to be the provider once again as he crossed perfectly to find Pearson who was able to find the net. As the terraces at Muirton went wild, St Johnston were now up 2-0 on the night and leading 3-2 in aggregate. For the first time in the tie, they were ahead and looked like they were very capable of doing even more damage to their glamorous opponents. The home side had no plans to let their lead slip and as the Herald described in their match report, St Johnston continued to dominate. Late in the game, with just over 10 minutes to go, Saints struck the decisive blow when they won a corner that was taken by Kenny Aird. Aird took the corner which was cleared by the Hamburg defence, only for the ball to come to the feet of Gordon Whitelaw. Sensing an opportunity to put the game to bed, Whitelaw shot low into the net past the keeper and the terraces went crazy. 
From being 2-1 down at the end of the first leg, St Johnston were now leading 4-2 on aggregate, after Whitelaw's goal made it 3-0 on the night. With just over 10 minutes of normal time left to play, the Germans realised that it was going to require an all-out assault on the Saints' defence to try and claw the game back. Try as they might though, the defensive line of Gordon, Rennie, Lambie and Coburn held firm to keep the clean sheet intact on the night. Eventually, the Swiss referee had seen enough and at the end of the game, it was St Johnston 3, Hamburger SV 0. 4-2 to St Johnston on aggregate. In their first ever European tie, Willie Orman's men had put one of Germany's biggest teams out of the UEFA Cup against the bookies odds. Even Jockstein was quoted as saying, this is a great result for Scottish football. The reward was a tie against Vasas of Hungary, who were beaten 2-1 on aggregate thanks to goals from a John Connolly penalty that was heavily disputed by the Hungarians and a last-minute effort by Jim Pearson. On making their arrangements for travelling to Scotland to play in the first leg of the game, Vazas made the mistake of thinking that St Johnston came from the Renfrewshire town of Johnston, close to where they were flying into at Glasgow Airport. It was only after reaching Dunblane on the A9 that the Vasas team and staff became worried that they were being kidnapped, only for them to be told that they were instead going to Perth. Perhaps this was enough to have a negative effect on the pitch for the visitors from behind the Iron Curtain. While Vasas won 1-0 in Budapest, Saints had Jim Donaldson to thank for keeping the score down, as he saved a penalty to ensure the Saints' passage into the third round, where they faced off against the Yugoslavian side Zelgeznikar. Despite a 1-0 win for St Johnston at Murton, the Saints didn't travel well at all and were put out of the competition courtesy of a 5-1 win for Zelgeznikar. It wouldn't be until 1999 when Saints would make another appearance in the UEFA Cup, but the memories of beating Hamburg are still up there with the club's greatest ever moments. While Saints are arguably in the middle of their greatest ever period, having won an unprecedented League Cup and Scottish Cup double that has seen them reach these Europa League qualifiers and now the Europa Conference League qualifiers, there was no doubt at all in Henry Hall's mind what the team's best ever result was when he said this in 2020. I think the chairman and some of the fans get a bit peeved when it's said that the Ormond side were the best. I'm sorry. I can't see past Hamburg. 3-0 to us. On Sunday the 15th of August 2021, Jared Muller sadly passed away after being diagnosed with Alzheimer's some years ago. When you think of Jared Muller, you may think of his almost superhuman knack of being able to score from within the penalty box. You may think of his famous goal that he scored against England in the 1970 World Cup that completed West Germany's comeback and put England, the world champions, out of the competition. You may think of his winner in the 1974 World Cup final in Munich against the Netherlands, where West Germany came back from an early Dutch goal to win their second World Cup title. You may even think of his famous nickname, Der Bomber, or imagine him beside his good friend from Bayern, Franz Beckenbauer, Der Kaiser. Whatever you think, of when you think of Jared Muller, there was absolutely no doubt his ability on the pitch. 
Indeed, the amount of awards and accolades he won while at Bayern should definitely be straight out of Roy of the Rovers. Muller won four Bundesliga titles, four German Cups, one Cup Winners' Cup and three successive European Cups, plus one Intercontinental Cup. As if that wasn't enough, he finished as the Bundesliga's top scorer a record seven times, won the European Golden Boot twice and won the prestigious Ballon d'Or in 1970. It was only recently that his record 40 Bundesliga goals in one season was bettered when Robert Lewandowski of Bayern scored 41 goals. Franz Beckenbauer claimed that Müller was her deadly weapon and he was the most important player in the history of FC Bayern. It wasn't just with Bayern that he won awards though. He was an integral part of the West German national side that won the European Championships in 1972 and the World Cup in West Germany in 1974. He also won the Golden Boot at the 1970 World Cup by scoring 10 goals. Like all true greats of football, or so we hear the citizen think at least, Muller had a couple of encounters against Scottish sides. The first encounter that Muller had against a Scottish side came in the European Cup Winners' Cup final in 1967, when Bayern took on Rangers in Nuremberg, not all that far from Munich. Despite the advantage of the game being played in Bavaria, Rangers came into the final strongly and had done well in the competition by beating Glen Torren, the holders Borussia Dortmund, who had beaten Bilshank Liverpool at Hamden to win the trophy the previous season, Rio Zaragoza and Slavia Sofia to reach the final. Rangers had previously reached the final of the competition in 1961, when they were defeated over two legs by Fiorentina, making them the first British club to play in a European final. But Bayern had never competed in a European final of any sort before. While Bayern are usually the first club that comes to mind these days when you mention the Bundesliga or German football, before the 1960s they weren't even the biggest club in Munich, let alone in Bavaria. Before the mid-60s it was 1860 München who were the kings of the city. But Bayern had many young, promising players coming through and were able to rise above their rivals in sky blue. Müller's great friend and teammate Franz Beckenbauer grew up as an 1860 fan and chose to play for Bayern after his boyhood club snubbed him during a trial, and it was arguably the biggest mistake that 1860 could have made. The other huge mistake that 1860 made was being one hour late to secure the signature of Müller. Müller grew up in the Bavarian town of Nordlingen, and Bayern were desperate to sign the young 18-year-old after his exploits for his local side, TSV Nordlingen. It turns out that Bayern got there just in time, one hour after Jared had signed for Bayern, a representative from 1860 turned up, only to be told they were too late in arriving. Their loss was Bayern's gain, and the honours would soon start to rack up for Bayern as Müller, Franz Beckenbauer and Sepp Meyer all arrived at the same time and helped to turn the fortunes of a relatively small club around. Back to 1967 though. And Rangers fans, possibly buoyed by Celtic European Cup victory over Internazionale, headed out to Nuremberg in their droves, with some fans paying £20 a head to charter a flight from Presswick Airport to get them out to Bavaria in time for the game. Both teams would have considered their main strength being in their defence, which for Rangers consisted of Norrie Martin in goals, Kai Johansson at right back, Ronnie McKinnon and John Gregg in central defence, and Davy Proven at left back. Unusually, Rangers played Roger Hind up front, 
despite him normally being a defender, in order to add some bite to their attack, which was somewhat lacking. Rangers dominated the first half of the game and should have put the game to bed. The Evening Times reporter Geir Henderson said in his report of the match the following day, If it's permissible to mention the word Celtic in the story of shame and mourning, I say that if Jock Steen could have given two or even one of his forwards on loan to Rangers, the combined team would have slaughtered Bayern by three or four goals. Never, surely, have forwards played so badly. As you can probably guess from Henderson's words, Rangers lost the final to a late Bayern goal scored in extra time by Jared Muller's teammate Franz Roth. Henderson estimated that Rangers must have had 75% of the play in their narrow defeat. As it was, it was Muller's Bayern who left Nuremberg with the trophy that night, and the poor performance up front forced Rangers to go all out and buy Alec Ferguson from Dunfermline in the summer of 1967. The two teams would meet again in the Fairs Cup in 1970, when Bayern beat Rangers 2-1 courtesy of a 1-0 win in Munich and a 1-1 draw at Ibrooks. Rangers would, however, get their revenge in style when the two teams met once again in the semi-final of the Cup Winners' Cup in 1972. Muller would play in both legs of the tie, and it was Rangers who travelled to Munich in the first leg. Rangers were, by all accounts, lucky to emerge with a draw after Paul Breitner scored the opening goal in the first half, but Bayern were the architects of their own downfall as Reiner Sobel scored an own goal early in the second half to leave things at 1-1. There was a huge sense of excitement in Glasgow on the 19th of April 1972 as both old firm sides were playing in semi-finals of European competitions. While Rangers hosted Bayern at Ibrox, over at Celtic Park, Internazionale were in town, and Celtic were only one penalty kick away from putting themselves into what would have been a third European Cup final, as Dixie Dean skied a spot kick in the penalty shootout. Over at Ibrox, not even Gerd Muller could help propel Bayern into the Cup Winners' Cup final, as the Light Blues produced a masterclass to win 2-0. Sandy Jardin opened the scoring in the very first minute to put Rangers ahead in the tie and Derek Parlane scored the all-important goal that took Rangers into the final in Barcelona where they went on to lift the trophy. Sandy Jardin told the Glasgow Herald of his joy at beating Bayern as he correctly said that team was at the beginning of the rise of Bayern to great things. This would not be the last time that Gerd Muller came to Glasgow though. As Jardin said, the Bayern team that Rangers defeated in 1972 were on the cusp of becoming one of European football's greatest ever club sides, with Gerd Müller banging in goal after goal for the Bavarian powerhouse. Bayern won their first European Cup in 1974 against the steely Atletico Madrid side, then retained the trophy the following year in Paris against Leeds United whose fans still feel hard done by the refereeing performance on that occasion. However, their crowning glory would come in the 1976 final at Hamden Park against the French side Saint-Étienne. The people of Glasgow had taken Saint-Étienne to heart after seeing Les Verts defeat Rangers in the second round of the competition, 
but despite their best efforts, it was Bayern who lifted the trophy. Saint-Étienne managed to hit the crossbar twice in this game and claimed that a rounded crossbar would have seen the ball go over the line on both occasions, but Hamden and Queen's Park still used square posts at this time, so instead, the ball bounced outwards, much to the relief of Bayern. Bayern's goal that evening came from Franz Roth, and afterwards, the Germans produced a defensive masterclass. Not the most attractive style of football for the neutral, perhaps, but a very effective way to seal three consecutive European Cups for Müller and his teammates. While Müller was unable to get a goal at Hamden in the 1976 final, he did manage to score at Hamden for West Germany in 1969. Scotland welcomed West Germany to Glasgow in April 1969 in what was a must-win game if there was to be any chance of Scotland going to the World Cup in Mexico the following year. What's more, Scotland had never lost to a German side at this point. It was Gerd Müller who scored the opening goal in the first half at the Mount Florida end of the ground, proving himself to be a world-class poacher in front of a Hamden crowd of over 95,000. Norman MacDonald of the Press and Journal wrote in his match report that Muller's goal was cruel luck on the Scots, who had made all the running and played with skill and determination. Scotland were by far the better attacking team, and only a solid German defensive performance stopped Scotland from getting more goals than Bobby Murdoch's 88th minute equaliser. Unfortunately, Muller's goal at Hamden coupled with a 3-2 loss in the return fixture in West Germany, meant that Scotland lost out on a place in Mexico, and the World Cup qualification hoodoo would continue for another four years. Müller would face Scotland twice more with West Germany, appearing in a 1-1 draw at Hamden in November 1973, and a 2-1 victory for West Germany in March 1974. Both of these matches were friendly games. Sadly, Gerd Müller lost his battle with Alzheimer's at the age of 75 on the 15th of August 2021. Müller will always be remembered for his explosive pace, his knack of finding the net within the penalty box and his winning mentality on the pitch. What better way to finish than by quoting the man himself when he said in 1996, The longest run I ever went without scoring a goal was three maybe four matches. I do not remember a crisis of confidence. Ever. At the start of the podcast, we asked you which Scottish team was the first to compete in the European Cup. The answer is Hibernian. Hibs competed in the very first season of the European Cup and managed to reach the semi-finals of the competition, defeating Rot Weiss Essen of West Germany and Jurgardens of Sweden before they were defeated 3-0 in the semi-finals by Rennes of France. Rennes would go on to face Barcelona in the Parc de France. Despite going 2-0 ahead, Rennes lost 4-3 to Real's Galacticos, who would go on to win the next four competitions after this victory, culminating in their famous 7-3 defeat of Eintracht Frankfurt at Hamden in 1960. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Scottish Football Citizen. 
Subscribe to us on your favourite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And join us again next week when we'll be looking back at more of the best of Scottish football from the past. If you'd like an extra football fix in your inbox every Tuesday, you can subscribe to Football Memories Scotland's weekly newsletter, The Football Special, and receive an email full of excellent pictures and stories from days gone by. To find out more, email lindsay at lindsay.hamilton at scottishfootballmuseum.org.uk We'd also like to let you know about Jim Moore's latest play in his Bend It Lake series, which is being performed at Webster's Theatre in Glasgow. Bend It Lake Bertie focuses on Lisbon lion Bertie Auld through the eyes of two Celtic fans, Denise and Danny. While the first three evening performances have sold out, at the time of recording, there are still tickets available for the matinee performance of the show on Saturday the 4th of September. Tickets cost £15 and £1 from each ticket sold goes directly to Football Memories Scotland. For tickets and more information, go to websterdsglasgow.com and click on What's On or search for Bend It Like Bertie. The Scottish Football Citizen is written, edited and produced by Andy Kerr for Football Memories Scotland, in association with Alzheimer Scotland and the Scottish Football Museum. Additional contributions from Robert Harvey, Jim Orr, Lindsay Hamilton and Richard McBrearty. Additional material from The Scotsman, The Glasgow Times, The Glasgow Herald, PerthStJohnstonFC.co.uk, The Times of London, The Press and Journal and FCBayern.com.